So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag. And thanks as always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge and Intrepid. Now my guest this week is none other than Tim Moore. Now I don't say this lightly, but it's fair to say that Tim is an inspiration in the field of international operational risk management. 30 years industry experience across 31 countries. He's clearly been putting the flags in the map. Maybe I should start that. Known as a global leader with energy, intercultural understanding and a real collaborative approach. Now, we'll hear from Tim on his corporate transition into his own operational risk management consultancy business, New World Norm, which has a clear vision about offering consultancy with results. Now, not afraid to push boundaries and lead the way with his organisational thinking, often pioneering new approaches and keeping the business ahead of industry developments. Tim has been a contributor to uh, the greater retail risk conversation for many, many years. And I'm absolutely delighted to have him as a guest this week. So, Tim, welcome. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's um, great to have the invite from you. Um, and whilst um, you're going to ask me some questions, uh, I want to really make a start, really, by saying a big well done to you and congratulations um, for becoming a top 100 influencer. When I <laughs> saw this, Paul, I must admit, I was really impressed um, you've always been a huge contributor to the industry um, and, and somebody that actually really pushes the boundaries yourself. So well done for all your efforts from the past and ongoing and uh, keep up the great work. Well done. That's very, very kind. It is slightly scary as we hurtle towards our 21st year. It's still uh, I'm not quite sure how that many years passed under the bridge. But uh, yeah, we keep, keep still trying to mix it up a little bit and made so much easier with people like yourself joining in and sharing as well. So uh, I think it's kind of an acknowledgement also of where risk management has gone from its first little acorns to where we are today. So uh, yeah, long may it continue for all of us. Now, before we get going into your corporate background and and current uh, activities, so come on, Tim, young boy, short trousers, staring out the window at school. What, What was the actual intended career? What 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 did young Tim want to get into and do? Wow, this this is means I have to dig deep really back some years now, uh, Paul. But really, I think to be honest, it was a while ago. But the things that I do remember for sure was I discovered sports at school. I really loved it, and and to be honest, if one thing got me to go to school was when I had PE lessons. So okay. I could have lessons either side of it, biology or chemistry. But if I had a PE lesson in the middle. I was sure to turn up. Um, but anytime there was a lesson, at the end of the lesson when the bell rung, I was always the first around the class because I wanted to get to the playground, kick a football round, or leave the, on the last um the last lesson and get out onto the playground and, and play tennis. Um, I always remember actually, if I had if I had a PE lesson, I would always leave the lesson really punctual. And it was just to get to that lesson as quick as possible, change into my kit, and then get out um, onto the, the field. And the reason why I'm telling you that is this, because I was really physically and mentally challenged by the game of rugby, and I loved it. I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, and to be honest, I quite played quite well. I played for the school, and then I played for the town, and then I went on to play for the county. So I, I would quite honestly love to have done professional rugby playing. Um, but really, it wasn't really on a career's choice or a list of, of jobs that you could really get when leaving school when I did. So that's where I leave it as a distant dream for me. Yeah, I remember um, uh, going to watch the, the the rugby. So growing up, 
in Leicestershire. We had Leicester Tigers. For those that don't know UK rugby scene, Google it. The sort of the Manchester United of rugby for a while. Uh, but of course, it wasn't really a career. They were semi-professional, weren't they, back then, Tim? They were. There was the yeah. local supermarket manager, or we had the Underwood brothers that were RAF pilots that were that were playing again. Um, that'll mean nothing to most people, but yeah, it was. It, it wasn't a career choice that you. Uh, you did for the glory on the field, I think, not for uh, not not no. for the financial reward. You needed an actual proper career to to substantiate it way yeah. back when. My, my my dear old dad would say, "You can't play sport and make a living. You need to go out and get a job." Yep. Uh, oh, how things have changed, and uh, <laughs> exactly. yes, but you know, as I said before, we came in there. My my boys are nine and eleven, and they don't really aspire to be professional sports people now. That's been superseded by. YouTubers and TikTokers were, uh, yeah. which is which is the the dream job. But anyway, so you decided not to pursue a career on the rugby field. Talk to me about your your journey and how you first got into retail, and then you had a you know on to hold a couple of Goliath roles, if you like, within the industry. So so talk me through that journey. Well, I kind of look back really and think about it like an apprenticeship, really. But it was an apprenticeship which lasted many years because. I kind of started my first role in Los Angeles in 1995 when I was working for British Home Stores. Um, and it's so sad that they're still not around because they were a great organisation to work for. They were certainly great at supporting their managers and their internal development. Um, but I met a friend and she made me a recommendation that she was leaving British Home Stores. And she said to me, hey, there's lots of interest managing job going. Why don't you apply? So I, I did. And I met the manager, Colin, who was just an absolutely lovely guy. Um, couldn't read an assignment too well at that time because uh, I was still trying to understand Scottish and the different <laughs> lingo, but it, I, I learned it eventually with him. But to be honest with, with you, he encouraged me. I joined them. He encouraged me to be forward thinking. And, you know, jo joining a business that was encouraging me not just to be thinking about the business, but also wider thinking, gave me the opportunity to do things like work with Boots and Marks and Spencers and set up their first town centre partnership. You know, this was a really good chance for me to mix with management and the local council and the police and bring something to the whole town where they benefit. I moved with British Home Stores, uh, moved to South Wales um, because they promoted me, which was awesome. Um, lucky enough, again, I had a couple of good managers that came out of that. One was Nikki and one was Kevin. And they really actively drove my development. And so for one year, they allowed me to go on a comment to our sister company, which was Mothercare, and enjoy working in the audit and finance department. Um, and this came from my ambition, really, that and my belief that it just can't be all the time I'm going to spend the rest of my life catching the bad guys. There has to be more to it than that. So returning then from my secondment, um, which had developed my skill set to be more informed in my decision making. And I just love working with BHS, so it's a great brand. And with that, you know, there is a lot of hard work that's put in through, through my side as well. Um, I kind of breezed my annual reviews in BHS, to be quite honest, because I was well-liked, I'd done a good job, I loved the brand, so it kind of just fitted. Um, and then in 2001, I met a new manager, um, and he was called Guy. Again, a great guy, but I really didn't get to know him well enough because I didn't stay there much longer after I met him. And it wasn't because he did any disservice. Actually, he gave me some amazing advice. And that advice was, you want to be promoted, but nobody's leaving at BHS. It's such a good company to work for. Like you're, you're above regional manager and he's head of, they're not going to go anywhere. So you've got a choice, either wait out or 
go and find another job. And I was like, wow, that's kind of harsh, but I suppose true. So in fact, actually, it was the best advice that I'd ever got. Um, so I left um, Homebase. So I left um, British Home Stores in 2001 and joined Homebase. Oh, wow. That was uh, just jump into an uh, open world of just difference. Firstly, they were owned by Sainsbury's. Then they got sound out to venture capitalists. Um, and anybody, anybody that's watching this and has worked for a venture capitalist will know that actually it's all about spending as little as you can and making as much as you can. Um, so I gained a, a lot of knowledge by working for them, actually. And it was a very fast learning curve. I had to manage budgets with pinpoint accuracy, create the highest return on investment for each pound I spent. It wasn't as simple as basically just going in with a plan. I had to seriously make it happen. So it was not a dream, a budget plan with a dream. It was a budget plan with expected outcome. So I learned a lot working for a venture capitalist. Um, also, though, I learned a lot about myself because I think I actually made some mistakes when working there, particularly in the way that the business was transitioning. Um, and also, it gave me an opportunity to improve my leadership style. I knew that actually the leader I wanted to be was not where I was then, and it would become a bit of a learning ground for me. I suppose then the excitement continues for me, really, because I joined um, Carfield Warehouse in 2006, working with some great, great people there, Sam, Frank, Tina and Phil, just name a few. But it was a very fast paced environment. Again, unprecedented issues, totally different to mm. everywhere else I've been because they had so much issues around internal fraud. Um, so I learned a lot about interviewing techniques. Um, but I also learned a little bit more about influencing, using the, the financial background I gained and start to think about actually, how do I get something different onto the radar to make a difference? Because catching the bad guys day in, day out, was not really going to be the answer. It was not going to resolve it. Luckily enough, at that time, a new sales director joined and she had a different way of thinking and she was really approachable. And I always remember her name was Sam. I think she was super awesome because she listened and then she said to me one thing, okay, you bring the problems to me, what's the solution? So I said to her, hey, solution is quite this. Change it from a um, sales bonus approach to a profit approach which was totally the opposite way of thinking because everything around that type of industry is a very sales approach. And this just wasn't traditional. So she said to me, okay, let's trial it in your division. And uh, hey, press it worked. Um, and we reduced internal fraud and at no cost of sales. So after I actually left the business, they actually then continued to implement it further and rolled it out into the business. So I, I had a great time there. Um, by 2010, I think I really have developed in lots of venture management uh, alongside, you know, understanding about making fact-based decisions, not just you running off my emotion, you know, using leadership skills in motivating and engaging people. Um, and also the importance of brand protection. I've worked for some great brands. And the one thing that I know is brand protection was their number one thing and their customers was number one as well. Um, so I understand about the excellence around custom service, uh, a sharp eye for financials, which was always really something I learned, budgeting and return on investment. Um, insights, though, into the great need for good processes, because if you think about sales conversion to profit conversion, this changed the way people did things. Mm. Um, so you could say after 15 years, I really had completed my apprenticeship. I'm ready to take on a head of function. I think, though, Paul, if I'm truly honest with you, you could have asked me in the 14 years prior, could I have been the head of function? Yeah. And I would have said yes each single time, but by being ambitious. But in reality, 
I look back and know that at that time I was probably ready and not the previous 14 years. Um, but when ambitious takes over, you're always going to say yes, I suppose. Um, to my delight, though, I, I discovered a head of function role at Swarovski. Yeah. Um, but when I first started with them, it was only meant to be a one-year contract. Oh, was it really? That. No way. Yeah. And yeah. after just three months, the PA, the PA to the director of Swarovski UK said, um, hey, Haley would like to see you in her office. And you know when the director calls you to the office, yeah, it's only one of two things, right? So as I entered the office and shut the door behind me, I could see in her hand an envelope. And she invited me to sit down. I thought at that stage, uh-oh, this oh, is right. the inevitable goodbye. Um, so I could think about what was about to happen. But instead, she shook me hand and praised my work and made a, said that I made a more positive impact after just three months. And the letter actually was, a permanent contract um, and a pay rise. So I left, I left the office going like a foot taller um, because I was really proud of myself, but also I didn't see their expectations and, and there's nothing greater feeling than that. So Heidi, over the years, I continued to be a real great mentor to me though, for, my, per, for me personally. And she gave me support, not only for me, but also with a function as well. And so I realized that actually that was also a crucial mechanics to the way you can improve things in a business. If it means that I was also engaged in something and I could get them as people engaged in it, then it would work because it was coming from the top. So I, I kind of used all my learnings um, and this was noticed that I would made such an impact um, and delivered the improvements with minimum cost. Um, and given the fact that Swarovski are an Austrian company, um, they, they do a lot of good things about really saying everything must be process driven. So let's try and map out what Tim is doing and map it out and then see that we can roll it out to the world. Well, after six months, myself, Haley, um, and uh, Vice President of Finance, myself, we attended an online meeting. And as part of that online meeting, um, we were surprised. Um, they had worked on it for six months and they couldn't kind of map it out in the same way as I was delivering operationally. And, and I wasn't expecting that, that they would be able to fully deliver it because you can't just process map something without actually the engagement part to come with it. Um, so Marcel, though, being the gentleman that he was as a senior leader, really didn't pass much comment, but I kind of looked at the screen and saw his face and I thought, you know what, I'm not too sure he's very impressed by this. So Heli said to me, Hey, Tim, it's probably time now for you to step up, get that strategy out that you ripped over a year ago um, and ask to speak to Marcel, which I did. Hmm. So I asked to speak to him uh, the next day. Um, and as a vice president, you know, he was much senior than me. And so I was having to go along and, you know, not really knowing him that, that well and present to him. And he loved the idea of the principle. And he said to me just one thing, what do I need to do for you? And I said, Marcel, if you could just go outside speak to your analysts and get me the data for the 31 countries for all the stock loss, all of the cash loss, all of the returns for the last year. I will work the weekend. I'll look at the data. And by Monday, I'll come back to you um, with a strategy. Guess what? Monday, I went back to him. That was, that was a big claim that was with a year's worth of data across 31 countries. It was indeed, Paul. And to be quite honest with you, my living room was taken over by paper and I was kind of like moving because, you know, there, yes, there was data on the system, but a lot was printouts and things and moving around. So I had a good laptop under one arm and a good bit of paper under the other arm going to the office on that Monday morning. Um, so 
basically what I said to him is these are these are our risk elements and the data now shows this um and I'm suggesting instead of going for a full implementation we do a three months trial to see whether what I am recommending will work so again I was taking a little bit of a risk with myself really to say I'm going to back myself here and prove that it works so he said okay which three countries and the three countries were Australia Germany and Canada um and we rode out to those three countries and then literally not joking within 12 weeks we've seen a financial benefit of 350,000 euros in just 12 weeks in wow. three countries just based on the first entry of what I was trying to roll out um so look at the end of the day his boss was Matthias who was the family owner he went to him and showed him and demonstrated to him and showed him the strategy and in December 2013 Matthias absolutely signed off as the you know the owner a new function so right. I opened up and started a new function amazing um, so that went on then for many years um and then sadly as we all know and we all went through it covid um covid hit us and that resulted in downsizing in many businesses as you would expect and sadly that impacted me with Swarovski so I left them but it wasn't shortly wasn't sorry long after that was it a case that Peloton approached me mm. and wow they made an amazing offer um and I absolutely loved working for them um just to come on to their desire to want to move on and progress was absolutely awesome um I met my boss at the time which was Greg and he was just simply an outstanding leader give me the space to just do my thing and make make a difference um without a doubt the confidence Greg had in me as a leader was just off the Richter scale which to be quite as an individual I actually I appreciate when people give me that responsibility so there's no secret though that you know like other businesses Peloton obviously went through the economic climate issues which placed them in a position um where they had to make some difficult decisions and sadly I was part of those decisions and on November left, 11th I, I left um I would just say though Paul it's worth mentioning this that actually you know there are so many people at Peloton I just can't name them all on here we would be here all day otherwise but there are so many great people there who are just an amazing inspiration and committed people and I seriously wish all those businesses that I work for to be super awesome in the future for every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime. 3X Logic. It does feel just as an aside that that brand fell out. It was no longer the darling of the press, was it, for a period of time? And it definitely felt as if uh, it, it was getting a bit of a an unfair airing, uh, and that certainly didn't uh, didn't didn't help. So uh, I put my hand up on my peloton subscriber so. good right. i'm glad i'm glad to hear and long may it continue with all their new features and products in the future i'm interested just off as an aside you were saying you know you felt you were ready for head of function and then you know actually in in hindsight when you finally got it you you probably earned your stripes if you don't mind me saying so from an industry point of view once you got that head of function at swarovski that was when you came to prominence within the industry and you actually probably had got the knowledge that you then shared back for the greater good of the whole of retail. So, you know, maybe it did align because you were collecting all of the knowledge, the knowledge, the knowledge. And then head of function, you have the entire business buy into your strategy. And from 
outside looking in, it was almost as if, well, at that point, Tim went, yep, I've arrived. Okay, now I can I can give back to others that were coming yeah. up in yeah. different businesses. So it, it, it felt like it aligned. And then, you know, you were around the world. You were happy to share. You did some presentations, workshops, and, and you really sort of brought to the fore what you'd learned not giving away any trade secrets, but those core building blocks that people need to have. And yeah, I have to acknowledge you for, for doing that. And then you spent you know, a significant chunk of time at sort of the top of the industry, if you like, sharing back while still delivering. So, you know, I think we need to acknowledge that as well. That, that was a, it was a good journey for everybody else as well. Thank you, Gordon. Do you know, I really enjoy working with other people who are aspirational as well. I've worked with about Think I was thinking about it actually before today. Think about who I've worked with, her mentors, and giving insights and help in in their journey. And there's currently about six really senior people at the moment, you know, in the circuit, in, in the business, doing an amazing job. And you know, I've been part, you know, just a small part of their journey when I've been able to help them. So, you know, it's super awesome when you can actually help people to do better in the world. I love it. So look, you've 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 got all of this knowledge. You've been at the pinnacle for some of the biggest brands on the planet, a vast number of sure, stores, you know, you've packaged up all of that knowledge. You've taken the leap to the dark side, semi-dark side, as it were. What, what are you offering? You know, why should people be, be talking to you now, Tim, other than just being thoroughly knowledgeable and a nice guy? But but what are you hoping to, what are you offering to, to those that might need some help? Yeah, I, I thank you, Paul, for asking that question. Do, do you know what, as well, when you talk about inspiration, inspiration kind of goes two ways. And I remember actually just kind of announcing that I was doing this. And I just couldn't believe the amount of comments I was getting on LinkedIn, the positive DMs and the messages. And they were coming in from all over the world by so many people. So if any of them are watching now, I just want to pass back a thank you to me, because actually, to be quite honest, did I grow two foot taller that day when I got back all those messages of inspiration? Um, and that sticks with me. And, and, you know, there's many that I've kind of like copy and pasted the quotes that people have put as a memory, as if I'm having a bad day, I'm just going to reflect on them because yeah. it was awesome. Um, but like, like most things, there's a backstory with me. Nothing just comes to me directly. And in 2020, when I was sat in the garden at home, like millions of other people were due to the COVID situations, um, I sat there and I spoke to my wife and I kind of said, hey, I don't really think this world's ever going to be the same again. I, I really think it's going to be um, a new world norm coming. And from that, I went and bought the domain name. From that, though, I thought, well, I want to do something good with people who are sat at home at the moment, you know, worried about the status of the fair. So I put together some um, videos to put on YouTube and just shared them with people about, you know, the future and how things can be different, about empowering people. And that went down a storm. I'd done, I'd done a series of five and, you know, got a lot of good feedback about that. Um, I was actually going to do my consultancy, though, back in 2020 after the COVID but actually, Peloton blew that out the window because they made me an offer to go into a business where I truly believed in their values. So I took up that. But so two years later, here I am. Um, and, the, and the question is, is, what am I doing? What am I offering? Um, firstly, a good friend of mine um, challenged me in a call the other day and said, you need to have some more deep thinking about what is your business? Uh, what is it not? Um, and what should you offer? Um, so I must say, I looked at my own values first. Uh, Paul I was like what do I want to do 
you know, what will make me happy? Why do I want to go to work? And, you know, for me, it's about promoting great solutions with service providers or continuing to offer mentoring and training and risk management or being part of a business where, you know, I use a slogan consulting with results because I can get results for businesses. So I kind of offering at the moment three kind of strands of my business. One is about operational risk management, where I work with businesses like retail, logistics and warehouses, corporate facilities, businesses that have supply chain and help them upscale um, their business plan to make sure that it's fit for the future. It protects people. It protects the brand and also it helps them with their with their profitability. Also, as well, I'm offering a certified partner program because I also have got this background where I just sit in my office, have an idea about how could we fix the world, but I just couldn't find solutions or you had to go out all the time to try and look for them. And it's a crazy world out there. There's so much to look at. So basically, I want to be a conduit between a person that has a need and a person that has a solution and, and fitting them together. Um, and that's quite important to me because I really am a believer in the world being better with the future technologies and things that are coming through. Um, and then finally, the training for me. I want to work with rising talent and pass on my knowledge because we've got some great rising talent coming through. I'm often actually speaking to these people who are ambitious and, you know, some not ready right now, like me, you know, some years ago. And there's some that are going to be ready really soon. Um, and the benchmarking and the level of those rising talent at the moment is off the Richter scale. It's refreshing for me to see. So I'm really ambitious to make sure that I stay with those risk professionals and work with the rising talent at the moment. Yeah, you're right. I think one of the, the challenges for somebody like you is, you know, I'm sure you could write, and you perhaps you do this, but I'm assuming you don't, you know, you could write a health and safety manual for something, but that's not what you want to be doing. No. So you've got this huge raft of knowledge, but I think you're right to hone in on, you know, some key offerings and say, this is the particular areas of expertise. Otherwise, you will have random requests coming in left, right and centre and you'll be busy doing the stuff you don't want to do. And if you're busy doing the stuff you don't want to do, you might as well go and work for somebody. Uh <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'll give you an example of that, Paul, which is, hey, I don't want to do all the accounting that goes with running your own business. I've literally outsourced it because that's the last thing I want to be sitting down doing. Um, so from a business potential, you know, that would be distracting for me. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. And, and yeah. you know, I'm going to go to the core of where I really enjoy working. And, and just listening to the offering, would it be, and this, the answer might be no to this, but I could imagine that sort of mid, upper, mid-sized retailer that maybe doesn't have somebody in that strategic head of function role that might bring you in to provide some guidance, to give some input on the technologies they should be looking at, maybe oversee the implementation but actually then do, and develop the team that's in place. Would that be fair to say as your kind of ideal or actually yeah. do you just want to use somebody's corporate jet and fly in somewhere sunny for the weekend and look through yeah. the data and then leave that, again? That sounds quite appealing, but <laughs> your, your former is where I really am. Um, do, do you know, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the way you, where you say the other thing as well, I think where I'm adding value at the moment is where we've already got heads of functions who've had okay. to downsize their departments and actually have... Germany as a raw, they're getting at the moment um, smaller budgets, but to outsource, mm. get it fixed for an outsource program. So I'm working actually at the moment with some senior leadership on the basis that they can't actually have the payroll, but they can have some money set aside um, and it's kind of use it or lose it type thing. Um, and also it gives them a chance actually to kind of say, 
I can't afford that this month. I can't afford that next month and give them an, an agile operational expenses. So that's where I'm working at the moment with the, the, the group that you say and also heads of functions who actually need support because they do really need the support at the moment. And yeah, are you of the opinion that, yeah, because if you put the right processes in place, you know, people use the term free money a lot, but I, I genuinely believe that there's lots of retailers leaving you know, money on the table or it's, you know, slipping through the gaps without them realising. I had a conversation recently, uh, a big retailer had acquired a smaller retailer that had gone into administration, still a, a big household name. And the conversation there was this retailer had gone into administration basically because of mismanagement. It had left so much money on the table. Uh, and this, a lot of that was in the fraud risk and loss space it just didn't have the processes in place it had created a cash crunch and actually the whole damn thing had then fallen over so yeah. i'm guessing you must be both excited but also slightly dismayed at the fact that other you know there isn't 20 phone calls coming in a day from people that you think you need my help you need my help you need my help i mean is that that that's my view of where you sit and the opportunity without putting words in your mouth is is that where you think the industry sits at the minute uh, absolutely and, and that's so exciting for me though Paul because do you know what you know in, in a previous business and I'll give you an example of that where one of the previous companies I worked for would definitely even money on the table in, in regards to the way they handle refunds um and, and bearing in mind yeah. section earlier which is I don't just want to be about catching the bad guys all the time I look at things end to end because if you just deal with the middle part you might affect upstream or downstream so you're really pushing the problem somewhere else in your business well, what I do is I look at it from end to end. Mm. And I was in a business once where actually I looked at the end to end process for refunds and I was actually able to give back and really contribute. And the contribution was actually a 4% annual improvement on the sales directly from the mm. initiative that I had I put in place. Just zero fee, just put yourself on a on a percentage of the, uh, of the <laughs> uplift or the savings, Tim. That's the way to go. I know. You know, I thought that many times in my career, Paul, which is if only I've been bold enough to do it, maybe it might, maybe I might be in a different situation now. I'll work for free. I'll work yeah. for free like that. Just pay me a percentage, a validated percentage. Um, funny enough, just jumping around there, I, um, when you were talking about your time at, uh, at Homebase being owned by Sainsbury's, I'm sure we should compare notes because uh, I was trying to remember when I was there uh, and, it, and it must have been about the same time because I was there when it went through the sale out of Sainsbury's into, really? into the VC as well. I was on the store side. So anyway, that's a, that's a chapter in our book there that we can compare yeah. notes on. That, that sounds like uh, a drink and uh, I sit down in a discussion about the days of home base. That was a volatile time. That was for sure. <laughs> and I'm sat in my uh, company provided holiday in uh, room in Croydon under the underpass trying to digest what uh, what what had just happened anyway so look 2023 2024 um what are your plans goals for the business what else can we expect from you Tim well it's a good question that because I, I kind of laid out the last couple of years as part of my business plan and I'm really clear in 2023 um, that I'm focusing on the UK market and the reason why I say that is because actually I'm very international with the experience I have and on top of that, actually, Paul, since my announcement, I've had quite a few people from North America, you know, reach out to me and wanted to do some work with me. So I'm, I'm definitely going to focus on the UK market. I, I've already said to a few people from North America that I would kind of semi-support them. 
Um, and given the fact I've got many contacts in North America, it's probably natural that I will probably extend there in, in, in 2024. Um, but I, I want to start to move. Since, since the, the rays of ChatGPT, I really realise that AI is here now. This is, this is no longer just a concept. This is definitely coming for the future. So I really want to move into innovation in 2024, particularly with international um, look at how AI can become really part of this industry and help us. I sat on a forum the other day where actually there was mixed views and the views were a, a bunch of people saying, hey, this 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 may damage us. And then they're saying, well, I don't know. what it I actually think it would help us. Mm. You know, I'll give you an example. I, it was a health and safety meeting that I was at um, forum. And, and basically they were saying, well, look, you know, why would you need us then to write a manual? Uh, and my argument was that is awesome because let the AI write the manual. You're then then there to sign off against it because you can't replace that knowledge base. You can then go and do other things, other work that actually makes a difference better. Mm. So use AI for the work that actually is mundane and actually takes time away from actually the, the real job. Mm. Um, people started thinking differently, but I, I raised that because I think AI will have a tremendous impact. And that will be definitely where I want to go in 2024 in terms of seeing where that interface will be. But I've got to be honest with you, I, I think AI is like finding a universe, um, is a universe with no boundaries and where it can go is going to be particularly exciting. And I want to get in pretty early on that. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be one of those areas and, and technologies where there'll be a few people with a lot of knowledge that will be sought after for a period of time yeah. until you know the supply of labor and knowledge catches up. So, yeah, I yeah. think I think you call it you call it right to to focus on that because you know that should be a sweet spot certainly and and massive opportunities but massive opportunities bring massive risks as well don't they so that is the cycle that we all go through it does i mean i, I would imagine before much longer you know people in the ai world would knock on your door paul talking about you know how it all fits together and you know the technology and there's going to be like that you know aha moment where you know you get like you know, the Apple iPhone come through or something like that, you know, where it's just going to take us in a different direction from, you know, bundling our credit cards, you know, keys and, um, you know, telling the time, a calculator, all those things now bundled into the, the mobile phone, where before we would have to carry all those things. Now they're not. And I think AI will start to bundle some things together, which will be actually really good for this wow. industry. I don't think it'll be too long before uh, that mobile phone with all that information gets injected into you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's on the way. I mean, my, my children are ready for it. They're, you know, they can't wait for the day um, that, uh, that that's all there. But anyway, that's a whole different yeah. but, terrifying but, thought. But. For your for your viewers. Yeah. You heard it here first. Paul said it's currently going to be injected into you. <laughs> it is. It is. So actually just as so. um from a fitness perspective, you can already have it. So you have the heart monitors and the Fitbit watches. You can now get, apparently it smarts when it first goes in, but this thing gets injected in. And then all of those sort of biometrics that, that you want wow. to monitor for fitness, um, you can now, it just scans. So there's no issue with sweat, body cream, fake tan, whatever yeah. anybody, me might have on that day. Um, doesn't get in the way so if that's arriving you just know that the rest will follow soon wow you just walk out and the chip will pay you know it's on the way uh, it's been imagined yeah. in a sci-fi movie yeah then it's already been imagined somebody's working on it yeah 
ironically, I, I put something up on LinkedIn about AI for the last couple of weeks, and they you you kind of get a lot of interaction because you've got a lot of views yeah. um, and people have got a lot of thoughts behind it. So it's going to be pretty interesting to kind of watch how it moves forward to the benefit of people. Um, I think if it can move forward in medicine quickly, it can help the world in such a big way. So I think there's there's much benefit to this. Absolutely. Um, Tim, it's always a pleasure. I'm conscious that uh, you and I could talk for the rest of the day uh, and fascinate as it, as it would be. So as I said beforehand, we'll probably have to come back for episode two. But for now, um, I wish you every success. Um, congratulations in advance to anybody that chooses to work with you over the coming months and years. Uh, and I'll look forward to seeing you in person at something retail risk or industry related in the near future for sure, Tim. But for now, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Paul.